Hello, beautiful. Okay, so I have a question for you, and it might sound kind of weird, but do you think you're breathing properly? I know it sounds strange to ask because, yeah, I mean, we've been breathing our entire lives, right? So you must be. Well, not necessarily. And guess what? Most people, especially in our busy, go, go, go Western society, aren't. And if you happen to be one of them, you are missing out on a huge life tool that really has the ability to completely shift the way you experience the world. Today, I have the incredible Erin May here, who is a wealth of knowledge in the subject of the body-mind. We're going to talk about the importance of the breath, and she's going to break down and share what's actually going on when we experience stress and tension within our body, and how you can easily reduce it and achieve more peace in your day and balance in your life. We get into the vagal nervous system, how to expand your senses, and how to cultivate and tap into your intuition so that you can live your life in more flow. I promise that by the end of this episode, if you begin to apply some of the techniques that Erin is here to share, you are guaranteed to notice massive changes in your day-to-day life. So let's get to it. a little bit about your journey and how you got into the work, the very special work that you're doing. Even as a young child, I remembered past lives, actually, Mm -hmm. and I knew that I used to do work with humans um, in all different regards, like healing, and actually I had lifetimes in Egypt where I did embalming with royalty, that other people remember me from those lifetimes too, so it's really quite amazing. So at around five, I started meditating. Around nine or 10, I knew that the energy that was coming out of my hands could help heal people. And I could easily find knots, find pain, and erase that. So I told myself that someday I would professionally train my hands so I'd know what to do exactly. Um, Although intuitively, I always did. And life took me out into the big wilderness and I traveled a lot through the world, Europe and Asia, and I learned from masters and I spent time with shamans, and I was always very inquisitive about everything, about the history, about healing, about ancient times, ancient people, and I decided to come back to Thunder Bay to go to Lakehead University to get a degree in science and psychology as well to help understand the whole body-mind connection more. And while I was there, I met a Zen nun from Seattle who had been seeing a rolfer and I decided I was going to be a naturopath and she said oh I've never been to see a naturopath but this rolfing is really amazing and I thought that's a really funny thing like what the heck is that and so she told me about how she had been with back pain her whole life but meditated anyway so she was meditating through the pain and after three sessions with this person she had no more pain and I thought wow and while she was telling me the story this light went off inside of me an actual light lit up inside my body and my mind And I was like, this is it. This is what I have to do. So I sold the car that my mom gave me to go to university and to work. And I used that money to fly to another city to have these sessions. That was part of getting into the school. And then I went to Boulder, Colorado, and I I learned how to do this. And the amazing thing was the first day of school, they told us that the people who were called back to this school had done this in previous lifetimes in Egypt and in Greece and that we were all called back to learn it again for this time. And even Dr. Rolf herself, the the founder of the work, said that she had not invented it, 
that she brought it forward into the 20th century. And so that's what I did. I came back to Thunder Bay. I brought it. Nobody really knew who, what it was. And I put a little ad in the paper. Four people came, but that's 40 sessions because they sign up for 10 each. And it's been 25 years of just referrals of people sending their family, their friends, their loved ones. And so I've had 25 years of experience of working with people's bodies mm-hmm. and their minds. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And to know and to be called and then to have that peace, like you're a little girl and yeah. you knew. Yes. And to come back to this this medium that other people are called to. I mean, that get, I had chills listening to that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I know that seems like a <laughs> pretty far stretch, but that's how I live my life based on intuition. And throughout my life, I've been precognitive. So that means sometimes I'll have dreams at night of the next day or something's going to happen the next month and then it comes to pass. And people might think that's mystical, but actually what's really going on is my right hemisphere is very active. I'm predominantly left-handed, but I am ambidextrous. And so my right hemisphere is always working and that's our creative, intuitive aspect of ourselves. And so what's led me on an interesting path, um, my own abilities and then things I see in people, is developing a protocol for the vagal nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of us that is the intuitive part. And everybody can access it. We all have one. But most people are up in the sympathetic mode, are stressed out, just getting through life, getting through the day, drinking lots of caffeine, eating sugar, go, go, go mode. And unfortunately, people can't sleep very well. So they get even more stressed, end up drinking more caffeine, you know, and then all the inflammation processes happen, all the disease processes happen. So thousands of people have come to the Body Mind Center over the years, and I've been helping all of them to heal. Wow. I mean, I would be one of them. When I came in, I was just at the beginning of a, a huge change in my life. And I am so, so grateful to the Body Mind Center and so, so grateful for meditation and yoga and tapping into the parasympathetic mode because that has given me grace to make those next steps. Yes, and there's many ways we do it. So there's gentle yogas, there's breathing, there's meditation, even people walking out in nature. Anytime you're kind of unplugging from your regular schedule and taking time to yourself to unwind and relax, have that Epsom salt soak, you know, whatever we can do. Now, the neat thing is the protocol that I use is using the breath, and the breath is the bridge between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system. So the breath, you know, um, fortunately, is voluntary and also involuntary. So we're breathing when we're not thinking about it. That keeps us alive. But we can actually manipulate the breath if we want to, to sort of turn on these different internal switches for our own health and well-being. How many people do you see that aren't breathing properly? I believe most people aren't breathing well. So most people's breath is shallow and high up in the chest. And so what we start to help people do is breathe down into their bellies. So if we were to do, if you're listening to this right now and we wanted to do a test to see how well you're breathing, can you guide our listeners through just something just to see where they're at? For sure. So if you're not driving your car, (laughs) then you can proceed with this. So you'd place one hand on your chest right in the heart area and another hand on your belly. And then you just close your eyes. And you're just going to first observe what's happening. So just as Samantha said, we're inhaling into the chest. That's probably where the breath is anyways. And we're just starting to notice, is the breath anywhere else? Is it in the sides of your rib cage? Is it at the back of the rib cage? And perhaps can you feel it down in your belly? Now for most people first trying this, it's not usually happening in the belly unless they already have a yoga or meditation practice. 
So if you're a little bit more new, that's okay. What we're going to do is allow the body to relax, let your mind relax, and start to let the breath migrate down into your belly. And just notice how that feels. So at first you're going past the diaphragm level, that's the bottom of your rib cage. And most people's diaphragms are actually quite snug. So to breathe past the diaphragm, we need to actually just take a few moments and relax and it doesn't necessarily happen right away. And the idea here is to breathe all the way down into the belly, even as low as the belly button. And as we're breathing, ideally we're inhaling through the nose and exhaling out through the mouth. And this is part of the protocol. So when we inhale through the nose, that does help the focus of the mind. And when we exhale out through the mouth, we automatically release tension. We're decompressing. And mouth breathing opens up the diaphragm. The diaphragm is kind of like a little bit of a gateway between the upper breathing and the lower breathing. So letting the diaphragm relax helps us migrate the breath down into the belly. Now, depending on how much stress the body's been going through, this isn't necessarily going to happen right away, but we do practice. We just keep practicing and eventually in a gentle way, the breath will migrate down. Now, if we add breathing into the back of the sinuses, like if you draw the breath into the back of your throat, it's going to create a sound, something like an ocean wave. And in yoga, we call this ujjayi breathing. And when you listen to that sound of the ocean wave inside your head, you're automatically going into a meditative state. It's that simple. And when we exhale out through the mouth, we're exhaling with a ha sound like H-A, like we're misting our glasses before we clean them. A nice soft And when we do this sound, this stimulates the vocal cords and the vocal cords are part of the vagal system. So it softens the breath, it softens our mind, it softens our system, and we can go deeper and deeper into the vagal state. So as we exhale, the next part of the protocol is to allow the exhale to become longer and longer. And again, this happens as we relax, so it isn't something we can force or try, it's just an allowing. And allowing is really the word, just allow. And as your exhale becomes longer and longer, you dip lower and lower into the vagal state. So your body becomes more and more relaxed, and all of the systems that are connected with the vagal system come into balance. So that's the endocrine system, uh, your nervous system, and your respiration, your heart rate, your hormones. It's really quite beautiful. So about five minutes of vagal breathing, you can actually start to feel the shift, the hormones start to balance, and 25 minutes of the breathing will actually regulate your blood pressure completely. So that's really quite exciting. And as we continue to exhale longer and longer, there'll come a time where it'll feel okay and natural to actually just coast at the bottom of your exhale for a little bit before you take your next inhale. So we're inhaling gently with the Ujjayi ocean sound. We're exhaling with the ha breath, letting the exhale lengthen and lengthen. And then we just coast for a little bit at the bottom of the exhale before you take your next inhale. And it's this coasting part that takes us into the deepest part of the vagal system. This can be practiced for as long as you like. And if you do it for five minutes before you go to bed, you'll sleep more deeply and have more REM sleep. And if you do this five minutes when you wake up in the morning, it can erase any kind of anxiety that might be building about your day and you can have a 
completely smooth day. You'll walk through the day, doors will open, people will be easier to communicate with because you're at your happy place. Mm. <laughs> so it's really nice. So there are 10 minutes a day, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, and this completely shift yes. your 24 hours. Yes, absolutely. And then people report back that they'll even do it. Sometimes people wake up in the middle of the night. You know, you're like a little bit worried. I'm not getting enough sleep. What's tomorrow going to be like? Your mind's going through the yeah, list of exactly. all the things. So if you do this for two minutes, you'll go back to sleep. Just mm. two minutes. It's that easy. Mm. Well, thank you. Yeah. That was beautiful. You're I mean, I, I, I love practicing with you. So many people are so unaware that they're not even breathing properly. Right, because no one's ever said anything. Who taught us how to breathe well? Right? So we're telling you right now, you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> this is us telling you, or sharing with you. There is a way to breathe, and our society, we're not doing it the way we should. Yes. So I did a talk a couple nights ago, and then another talk yesterday. And between that time, a fellow who was at the talk had been practicing the vagal breathing, took it to work the next day, told a colleague about it, got her to practice. And then later that day, she got onto a flight, a little flight to go up to a Northern Reserve. And the flight, because of the weather, was extremely bumpy and she got very, very afraid. And she started doing the vagal breathing and immediately calmed herself down and was okay. And reported back to him when she landed to thank him for teaching her the breathing. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That's Incredible. just the very next day after my talk, and it was put into really good practical use. And the thing that with this, it's it's the breath. Everybody has this gift. It's accessible to all of us every single moment of our life. So it's the one tool that you, you have with you as long as you're aware of it. Yes, and that's the really brilliant point. So thank you for making that, Samantha. <laughs> so sometimes we look to certain things to help calm us down, the bath or the walk or petting our dog or whatever it is that works but we don't always have those things with us depending mm -hmm. on the circumstance like that woman in the plane mm -hmm. but we always do have our breath no matter what's going on even until we take our last breath the entire life yes right we can have a calm last breath if mm -hmm. we've been practicing vagal breathing all along yeah. breath yes. is the one I think consistent and one truth you know from the yes. minute that you're born to the day that you die every single moment you're breathing so. yes can you talk a little bit about the vagal system, a little bit more into like what it is in the parasympathetic, sympathetic, give a little bit more overview of that? Yes. So the vagal system is basically two main nerves that run along each side of the neck and they're originating in the brain stem. And as they travel down each side of the neck, they then go and branch into the endocrine system and into the organs. And it's kind of like the internal operating system of how the body regulates itself. And the really cool part is something called neuroreceptivity. So the nervous system's wired into everything, the vagal system. And it's actually paying attention with our subconscious mind to everything going around in our environment. And it lets us know if things are safe or not safe. That's the primary. If people who've just walked in the door or the traffic or whatever might be going on, it's giving us this feedback all the time and adjusting our internal system like whether it's our hormones or our muscles or the organs to meet whatever those outside cues are and so if life around us is very stressful inside of us will be very stressful too now we can't usually control the outside <laughs> but we can certainly do things to control the inside 
And so most people are inundated by all sorts of information in the news and life and overwhelm. And so when we can go in and do something with the vagal system, like the breathing, we can actually change the internal environment. So what happens when we're sympathetic, when things are really stressful, our senses actually shut down in a way to just deal with what's right in front of us. So our peripheral vision kind of moves in and we become very focused with what we're seeing. Our hearing actually changes. We only hear the high and low pitches because that's usually where danger is found. And our sense of taste and touch uh, diminish as well because we don't want to be off exploring things when there's danger. We have to deal with what's right in front of us. Now the vagal nerves, they also will tighten up the neck muscles so we're looking straight ahead. You can't even turn your neck and the shoulder muscles will actually lift the shoulders up to protect the vagal nerves around your neck. So lots of people when they have a big presentation or something will wake up in the morning with a stiff neck or a tight jaw and they think they need to see the chiropractor but actually what you need to do is just to do some vagal breathing and switch mm -hmm. systems again because that's how our body deals with stress. It goes into lockdown mode. So when we're Activating the vagal system, what happens is all the nerves relax, the neck muscles relax, the jaw relaxes, we're no longer grinding our teeth. Our peripheral vision opens up and you can see the bigger picture. Your hearing changes and now we get the entire mid-range of sound. So you're hearing all the little bird sounds and, and your pets and actually your spouse, you'll hear your spouse more now. And because um, <laughs> sometimes we tune people out yeah. or sometimes people will say, you're not listening to me. And if you're yelling at someone saying you're not listening to me, they're not going to be able to hear you. Actually, they're going to be toning you out because they're going into sympathetic mode. So they really actually can't hear you. And so if we really understand this vagal system, it's it's the interface, the gateways of how we take in our information and what we send out. We'll be more compassionate with each other. Because sometimes we think someone's just not paying attention, but they could actually be super locked down in sympathetic mode and not able to function. And that's what we see with PTSD and trauma. Like we think someone's not paying attention, but they're actually locked into this world mm. and they don't know how to get out of it. It's almost like color, like black and white versus saturated, saturation, right? It's yes. like they're seeing the world in black and white. Yes. Whereas if you're in the relaxed state, it's color. Yes. And actually how the Tibetans talk about it is when we're really stressed out, we're seeing things in bold primary colors. And when we're really relaxed in the vagal state, everything goes into pastels. Ah. And you see all the subtleties of things. Mm -hmm. So they even talk about the blending of colors, like something will be pink and white. And I used to say to my Tibetan masters, well, is it pink or is it white? And they're no, it's like pink and white. And they mean there's things that are translucent and mm. opalescent. And there's all these combinations of things going on that when we're in stress mode, we don't see because mm. the, the biology of us is in survival mode. It's not in experiencing the splendor of life. And maybe to put this in, in a, um, an example, if you imagine yourself in nature, being going for a walk in nature and you know you breathe in the fresh air and all of a sudden you start to hear the birds around you it's just everything feels more alive it's you're shifting sort of to that state yes that's exactly right and that's why it's so important to spend time in nature especially nature that isn't altered like just going out in the woods mm. and so our 
our energy and our electromagnetic field will actually expand in nature because it's safe. Unless someone, you know, is going for a walk and they really fear bears. And even though there might not be a bear, the fear of bears can actually keep them still a little bit in sympathetic mode, right? <laughs> and that's something we'll have here in Thunder Bay. We live in, <laughs> we live in forest, forest country. So right. lots of bears here. But So people who live in big cities like New York, Detroit, or anywhere you might be, and there's lots of people, lots of noise, lots of all of this stimulus, and not a chance to get into nature, automatically we're going to be in sympathetic mode. Automatically the nervous system is in lockdown just because of the environment. Mm-hmm. And human beings, this is the other neat piece. Like when I do this protocol with people and they're done, they feel like they've just shifted their reality completely, like they're in an altered zone. Yeah. And I always love to tell them, no, this is actually what we're designed to be. Physiologically, we're designed to be more vagal than sympathetic. Sympathetic's meant to visit when we're in high stress and we need to survive. Mm-hmm. But in real life, we're meant to be vagal all the time, relaxed, easygoing. This is when the body digests the food. It, it's resting well. It's sleeping well. We're playful. We want to jump around and swing from trees and do fun stuff just naturally. You know, not that it's an event we're planning next week. It's like being like a kid and being playful. Um, So we're meant to be like that all the time. And people always feel shocked when I tell them that. Mm. Like it's not an altered state. It's where we're meant to be. Well, in a way we go in our world, you know, it's the busyness of it. So we just jump right in and you kind of just, you don't know any difference. So it's not anybody's fault that they don't know this. Right. But you got to, you got to sort of dismantle that in a way. And realizing, you know, life can be a full spectrum of possibilities and where we might be in our life is just one option, but there's other options. And when we change our state, like we go into the vagal state, more options open up. We're accessing that right hemisphere, our creative side. And the super cool part about the right hemisphere is it draws from the future the information. So this is where the innovators are and the inventors and the scientists finding out things that we've never thought of before. This is your intuition. Yes. In a way, your intuition. When you get a hunch, you get a feeling, you you think of somebody, you want to call them, and then they call you. Yes. Okay. And actually, we're all interconnected through our limbic system. That's another part of the brain that we can access consciously through the vagal system. Mm -hmm. Deepak Chopra talks about this, that once you've met someone, you're actually connected with them forever. And not only that, Deepak Chopra talks about it at another level, which is really cool. So once someone connects with someone, you connect with all of their people through their limbic system. So say you know 10,000 people and I know 10,000 people. Those 10,000 people are all interconnected now. So it's like 20,000 people are interconnected just because you and I are connected. Wow. Yes, and we all influence each other through that level. So it's pretty advanced thinking. But now that we're understanding more about quantum mechanics and other levels of reality, more and more people will be looking into these techniques to tap into that. How do we tap into these quantum worlds Mm. that are conscious? So nanotechnology is where we go into the very micro part of the universe and within ourselves. And the Vedic hymns, those are the ancient teachings from India. Mm -hmm. They actually predate India, but we'll say they're from India. And um, they talk about every single cell of our body has individual consciousness. That's a big deal if you think about it. And so 
when we're operating very surface, we're not actually super aware of all these internal workings. Mm -hmm. But when we become more vagal, we become super sensitive and can actually go into the body and make changes. So we have people using vagal breathing to reverse cancer. And you'll see more and more research on Facebook and Google about um, the vagal system being activated and the reversal of all sorts of diseases. So right now, Alzheimer's is in the news. They can reverse Alzheimer's with vagal stimulation, rheumatoid arthritis, all of the gut disorders like diverticulitis, colitis, Crohn's, irritable bowel, all of those are vagal related. When people are stressed out, the gut's going to show up first with a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, epilepsy they're reversing. Now they're working with obesity wow. and diabetes as well. Wow. Yes. So what would be your three other tips to access that vagal state? What are three tips that you would give just off the top of your head to say this will help take you there? So we have the breathing. That's, that's number one. Yes. Breathing's like the big one. Breathing's the- a really big one. And napping. Napping. Dang. You know, oh. all children in all cultures nap. Okay. <laughs> and then in some cultures where they've been around a long, long enough, right? European cultures will do that afternoon siesta, the afternoon nap, the, you know, have a nice big meal and then lie down for a little while. That puts you back into your vagal mode. That's a reset. Mm-hmm. And then once we had the industrial revolution and, you know, electricity and light, you know, people are working longer, getting up earlier, going to bed later, and we've lost our balance with the circadian rhythms of, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars. And so if we get back into the rhythms, like get enough sleep, mm-hmm. and then, okay, another really big one is caffeine. So in our North American culture, caffeine's huge. And in most cultures, there's a lot of caffeine, right? So caffeine stimulates the adrenals. And when we're producing adrenaline, we're going into sympathetic mode. So if we truly want to relax, like I mean truly deeply relax and sleep well and do all those healing benefits, we need to eliminate caffeine. And I know that wouldn't be a popular thing, but some people need to hear that, you know, people who are listening. um, That can be a really positive choice. Mm -hmm. Sugar is another one. And cancer tumors cannot grow unless there's sugar in the body. So that's something we also need to know. Sugar is pretty devastating for the system. And a lot of people live on the caffeine and the sugar. And so we're staying in this sympathetic mode, you know, because of the things that we're consuming. And Mm. because so many people have um, caffeine and sugar, we don't think it's a big deal. It's like everybody's doing it. What's the big deal, right? But most people aren't well if we really look around us and with our families Mm -hmm. something's going on with most people Mm -hmm. and it's all a changeable thing that's Mm -hmm. the good news it's all changeable Mm -hmm. and it's up to us making our choices I almost see it it's like you can be like with caffeine and sugar it's like you can almost be a prisoner in your body yeah there's the keys here's the keys if you want to get out it's just you've got to take them and and you know, actually do absolutely, and it's all simpler than we realize. It's simple, but it's a choice. And sometimes, you know, we think, "Oh, I can't live without my coffee," but you know, really, you can. <laughs> you and you'll can. live much better. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, though, I'm one of those people. I dabble. I dabble with yeah. coffee. That's sort of my thing. Yeah. And the other thing would be play. When we're adults, mm-hmm. we don't actually usually allow ourselves to play. And we forget about play. So when we play, really good things happen. It can be anything at all. It could be playing board games. It could be getting out, skipping some rope, getting out into the woods, playing with your kids, playing with grandkids, or going on adventures, whatever it looks like, but where you're actually playing, where it doesn't have a purpose other than for the pleasure of it. 
And what happens in our body is we go vagal and something else happens in yoga. We call it the pranic body or your Shakti energy. That's your life force increases whenever we play. Now, you never need to tell a child to play. They always want to play. They know. And you think about all the energy a child has. They can barely sit still, right? Mm -hmm. And once we go through the school system, we're trained to sit still. It's a training to sit still. Mm -hmm. And so actually what we really want to do is get up and move and dance and play. Dancing, playing, singing. Mm -hmm. Singing activates the vagal system. Mm -hmm. So you can hum, you can sing, anything like that. So sing, play. Rest, sleep, that's eat well. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, if you it's, actually look at it, it's like, that, doesn't, that life doesn't look too bad. <laughs> it's a good recipe for life. I believe it. A lot of these things I incorporate in my life. And even in the mornings, like turn on some music, move your body, going with the flow. Yes. And being in your body, like you just mentioned, that's huge. Yeah. So the more we are somatically aware, that's kind of like the term that gets used for being in your body, but somatically aware, like you're tangibly feeling your body and you're in it, uh, the more vagal we are. Mm. Yes. The vagal system, guys, it's, it's massive. Yes. And it, personally, I will say it has made the biggest difference in my life. And because of doing this work, and I almost look at it like I've reframed the way I've looked at work. Work is breathing, meditation, yoga, going for a walk, journaling. Then all of a sudden, everything else in the day that most people would define as work just go smoothly. Yes. And I'm, I'm often asked, and you're probably the similar, how? Like, how are you doing this? How do things happen? How do things seem to work out? And it's because you're, you're playing from this angle. Yes. Yes. If we're vagal and living a vagal life, we're in tune with everything. We understand the subtle cues of the universe and other people. And so the flow is really beautiful. And we get those intuitive pieces and we realize that we're tapped in and it's a two-way operation. So the universe is giving us all the messages, but we can also put very clear messages out and manifest. Mm -hmm. So when, when so many speakers talk about manifesting your own reality, it's very, very true. But if your internal reality is all messed up and it's zip zipping all over the place inside your head, how can you manifest clearly on the outside? Mm -hmm. So when we become calm and focused, um, then the manifestations on the outside become clear and quick. Calm and focused, clear and quick. Yes. I love it. I'm going to like write that down somewhere. <laughs> I really love that. One thing too, because the epidemic of loneliness, so many people are feeling disconnected, are feeling that. But when you tuned in, that's a big piece in not feeling alone. Yes. Good point. So the loneliness piece, the anxiety piece, the emptiness piece, the what am I supposed to do with my life piece, they're all connected. And usually what's happening is we're exteriorly focused, like on goals or things that our parents want for us or society wants for us. Mm -hmm. So when we spend time internally aware, like doing the breathing, it actually fills up our energy tank. Mm -hmm. It gives us a sense of self, a true, genuine sense wow. of self. We find our authentic self. And then all the answers come from the inside. Mm -hmm. They're already there. They're already there. We're just tapping into them. This is a technique to tap in to yourself mm -hmm. and once you get a sense of yourself then everything else becomes true and known you're like ah oh, that's what I need to do next oh this is my calling yes I do resonate with that particular person I'll pursue that more it becomes very very clear so that that feeling of loneliness is completely dis disappears because you know who you are mm -hmm. and then everything around you lines up 
it lines up the right people the right places the right jobs knowing where to live like sometimes you might not be in the right city you'll just know to shift and then the opportunities open up like the universal doors open and like wow there's a job opportunity over here or someone says how about we take this trip before you'd say no but now your insides are saying yes and then you just say like, yep, let's go. It <laughs> I might that be, one. <laughs> yeah, it might be crazy for my logical mind. Like I'm really busy at work or whatever, but my inside, my heart says, yes, now I get that. And lots of people talk about follow your heart, but they don't give you a technique. They're like, you know, you're like, what do you mean? Because maybe you haven't been listening, so you don't know, right? So you do this breathing and you're going to tap into everything on the inside. Mm. You know, your heart, your soul, all of it. It's all it's all there. It's all right there. Yeah. All we need is the breath. We all have it. At exactly. Any point. None of the external exterior stuff really matters. Right. So one last thing. Throughout your life, has there been a guiding quote, words that have sort of gotten you through? In um, Buddhism, they talk about this word anicca, and it just means change, mm. that there always be change. And so when there's good times, they'll change. And when there's tough times, they'll change. And what I notice is I pair that with the breath. Mm-hmm. So when I'm going through really good times, I'll breathe and I'll take it all in and really savor the moments because I know those are the important moments. And then when there's tough times, I'll know that they're going to change too and I breathe through those tough times. And sometimes my breath was the only thing that actually took me through some of those times. Mm-hmm. You know, times where you think you're going to go actually crazy because of whatever's going on. Mm. And uh, so I would just breathe and breathe and take another breath. Anicha. And it, it would shift. Yeah, anicha. anicha. And it would shift. And then I'm like, okay, here I am on the other side. So every time I face those moments, I know I can get to the other side. This just knowing. Pass, this will change anicha, anicha, anicha. Yeah. So Aaron, I want to I want to thank you for doing this, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. I mean, thank you for coming and sharing your message mm-hmm. with everyone who's listening. And thank you so much too, Samantha. I really admire you and I've been proud of you <laughs> on your journey and I've known you since you're a baby. Yeah. And uh, you've grown into such an incredible woman, such an incredible woman and you're inspiring the whole world. <laughs> and I celebrate that. All right, there you have it. What did you think? If you found this episode inspiring, share it because you know what? A friend may really need to hear this message. I'm going to post a link to Aaron's website in the show notes. And remember, breathe, nap, play, dance, sing, get out in nature, rest. This is a fantastic recipe for life. And I want to say it one more time. Any cha. Things are constantly moving. Things are constantly changing. So no matter where you are in life, whether it's a place that you feel down and stuck and just like nothing's going your way, or if you're in a place that you're on top of the world, like really take a moment to be grateful to be there because in both of these states, it's going to change. This too shall pass. So really life is about being in the moment and experiencing that moment wherever it may be. Lastly, remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our weekly conversations. Every single week, we bring an incredible and inspiring woman to share her authentic and vulnerable story. And I just feel so grateful because each of these conversations, I feel like I'm learning so much. So if you are somebody who wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to expand, Subscribe to the podcast right now because I promise you, listening to other women's stories and getting the little insights and those little aha moments will make a difference in your life. So until next week, 
keep being you, be beautiful.